Welcome to the Northern Outcast Outdoors Podcast. The Outcast. Powered by ANF Custom Calls. Veteran Innovative Products. Alright, here. You ready, Tanner? Hmm? Alright, boys and squirrels. So we are back on another doubleheader here. This is episode 10. And we got our good buddy here, Paul, from The Boss Shad. He is, you're the owner, correct? Yes. The owner, CEO, main proprietor of The Boss Shad. And uh, he makes really unique musky lures compared to a lot of the other stuff out there. And uh, I don't know if we want to just jump right into it, Paul, and kind of uh, get the rundown of what you guys got going on. Yeah, thanks for having me. Um, Absolutely. We, uh, I started making lures about 20-some years ago. And, you know, 20 some years ago, there wasn't too many things out there for us. And what was out there, you know, we always had to repair and, and modify and all that. So I came up with a couple of things and kept them for myself for a while. And, uh, in 2010, I decided, decided to start, um, selling them. And, um, it's all history from there. You definitely have like a very, Futuristic, I think, would maybe be the best way to like describe like the outline of like the OG Boss Shad pattern. I mean, it's it's definitely different than anything that's out there. Yeah, the only the only shad baits we had at the time were Bagley Monster Shads, and uh, Tough Shad was out already when I started. I think they got a couple years on me, and that's really about it that I can remember. And I wanted to do something unique with, you know, I didn't want to be the same old, same old. So I just, I come up with something. I mean, you can only do so many things with shapes, you know. So I, I come up with my own lip design and lip angle and all that stuff. And uh, it worked out. I mean, most of the OG ones, I mean, aren't really, I guess, for casting per se. I mean, you could definitely cast anything and catch one, but most of your stuff, it seems like the bigger trolling baits is kind of your niche area you kind yeah. of hang out in. Yeah, we definitely geared everything for trolling. Um, I do have some people that definitely cast smaller stuff. I have a, I have a couple guys that cast the bigger stuff too, but it's, a, you know, more people are going to be trolling that kind of stuff. Yeah. So... I mean, I'm pretty novice as far as it's concerned. I mean, I didn't have parents that were real into muskies. It's just kind of something crazy I decided to do. But, I mean, when you start throwing around those bigger, you know, 15, 16-ounce baits, I mean, you do that for a few hours, I mean, you're going to be feeling it, no doubt. Yeah, back then, you know, I mean, the sport has really blown up in the last 15 years. But, I mean, you didn't have a huge choice of rods and reels. Now, today... With all the big rubber baits and everything so big and heavy, you know, they're making specific stuff. And you need it. If you don't have the right rock reel, you're going to be done. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, I know whenever I decided I wanted to try, I mean, I had an old repurposed catfish rod that I was trying to, like, you know, huck these giant freaking, you know, carp-looking things out there. Yeah. What really uh, drew you into... Wanting to chase muskie, I guess. I mean, that's your main passion, right? I, I got my start. Um, my family had a place up at Lake Chautauqua, and I I kind of grew up there. 
and on the weekends, of course. And that was that was back then when a lot of people kept muskies. Everyone they caught, they usually kept, and then they would have to tag them and register them. And you know, fishing off the docks, I would always see big muskies, you know, laying in the grass. And you know, you're poke, you know, you're your kid, you're poke the teeth and all that. <laughs> so it, that kind of planted the seed for me. But it was still many years that. I still didn't get into it until I got my own boat and all that many years after that. Um, I found, I didn't even know there was muskies in Ohio, you know, when I was at, at a young age. And when I first got my boat, I think I got my boat at 18 years old. You know, I found that certain lakes had them in there. And I still didn't really go for them at the beginning because I didn't know what I was doing. And there was no... You know, there was no Facebook or nothing. There was no yeah. outlets at all. I mean, there was there wasn't even magazines that you know an article here and there for muskie, but it was always geared for Wisconsin or Minnesota. You know. Yeah. And I met I met uh, I met a group of friends through a girlfriend actually. One of the people she one of the girls she met in college um, was muskie fishing with her her husband. So I gave him a call, and uh, he took me out one time to, to uh, show me around the one particular lake and what to use. And I think that was like a Wednesday or Thursday night, and I went back that week and I got my first one, and then that was it. It was, you know, <laughs> it was all over after that. Oh, I know the first time you see something <clears throat> that big come out of a a lake that you've been like bass fishing forever. The first time you see one come out of the water like flopping. I mean, it's like, yeah. I mean, I remember the first time I saw it up in the Tynesta Creek, like every hair on the back of my neck stood up and I was like, what in the actual hell well, just happened? Like, yeah, I mean, they're like, you know, you always hear this, you know, if you, if you fish, you always hear the stories about muskies and they kind of like a mythical creature, you know? Yeah, it seems like that to and me. Then, and then, you know, you always hear how hard they are to catch and, not that they're easy, but I mean, with stocking today, they're definitely easier than they used to be to catch fish. Which I think that's why the sport has grown because it is it is easier to catch muskies today than it was twenty years ago. Well, I think even just from the equipment standpoint, like you were saying, it's yeah, way more too. accessible to you know go get a round reel and not spend you know yeah. three hundred dollars mm-hmm. or you know whatever for it. But the but the stocking is just crazy. Yeah, you know, they stopped so many fish now. Yeah. So, yeah, so that's, uh, I mean, we had hardly any guides around us, and now there's guides popping up all over the place because there's a lot of new people getting into it, and they go out and they catch, you know, one to five fish for the day, and they're hooked. You know, wow, mm-hmm. I can do this. <laughs> now I'm going to go buy a boat and everything else. And, you know, there's just a lot more people on the lake than there was 20 years ago. I don't know about uh, 20 years ago, I guess, whenever you were getting into it, but one thing I've noticed is the guys that are like, the the musky guys, like using air quotes here, are like very standoffish to like newcomers. Like, you know, their spots are like way more oh, yeah. sacred. Like, oh, yeah. I, I even noticed it. Uh, I think I actually met you at Musky Max in Pittsburgh a couple years ago. I believe you were there, if I remember right. <coughs> yeah, probably. And, uh, I remember we were talking, we were at the Dadson booth and the one guy there was like a local guy. He was from Pittsburgh and we were talking to him and he was kind of, 
I mean, we don't know shit about shit at that point. I mean, we yeah. still don't, obviously. But he was kind of like, he was being really cool. And we were getting nothing but dirty looks from everybody around there. Like, dude, shut up. Why are you telling these kids, you know, like <laughs> secrets? Like, and it wasn't yeah. like secrets, but like, I, I, I don't know if it's like just because of oh, the uh, mythicalness, I guess, like how you said, but like, they're, it's a different crowd for sure. Yeah. Well, I think, I think part of that is, you know, there's only so many fish to go around and they're only going to get, get hooks in their mouth so many times. Okay. Yeah. And there's very small feeding windows. So if you don't have your pattern, if you don't know your pattern for that day or for that week, or let me back up. So because the windows are small, because there's not that many fish to go around, and people get on a pattern, they don't want that pattern going out to everyone because then if more, the more people that catch fish, the less you're going to catch. Yeah. So I think that's why people are so tight. But now, there's some people that pour out all kinds of information. That's, you know, that could be a problem, too. And then there's guys that don't. So, you know, the Muskie Inc. clubs always always tell you to help everybody. And, yeah. You know, <laughs> so there's, a, there's half the group that helps, and there's half the group that don't want to help. But, yeah. you know, if you spend 25 years on a lake and you figure out all the movements, of that fish, and you put all that time and money in to going all the time, you know, you, and maybe no one's helped you a lot, and you had to figure it out for yourself, which I think that's part of the fun of fishing, which I think is lost today. Well, there's definitely truth to that. Yeah, you can go on any so YouTube video. Wanna, you know, people don't want to say nothing, because you don't go out and fish, you know, that's what fishing's about. Go out and figure it out. Mm-hmm. On your own, you know, if you want a tidbit here and there, that's fine. So I think that's why it is what it's, how it is. Now, you're based out of Ohio, correct? Yes. So do you get a lot of traffic from, like, the Erie guys up there that are, like, you know, with the bigger boats running the downriggers and all that crazy stuff? Or is it more, no. like, no, inland stuff? Lake Erie, yeah, Lake Erie is primarily walleye and birch. There's not a big enough population of muskies in Lake Erie for to have like a sport out there. You know, there's only a few a year pop up here and there, you know. Yeah. And they're caught by accident. Hmm. Uh, I get most of my business is the surrounding states and inland lakes and then like Lake St. Clair. I would, you know, that's a great lake. So I get a lot of business from there. I mean, St. Clair and, like, the St. Lawrence and, like, up there, yeah, that's kind of a holy land for muskie. Yeah, I get some business from French River and Jordan Bay area. What's, like, your and number one I, seller for, like, those guys? Is it the OG Boss Shad? Or, like, what patterns, like, seem to be your best seller usually? I have 78 patterns online. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I know it's ridiculous. I, I was just talking about this on the last podcast I was on. You know, they're all good colors, and they all have their time and place, and every time I get rid of something, someone asks for it. So, what I try to do is I try to stock all the really, really popular colors, and then I'll just stock one or two of the colors that are real slow selling. But for some reason, once in a while, it's strange. Something won't sell for, like, a few months, and then all of a sudden, Eight of them will go. 
<laughs> and they're all from different states. Like, so I know if people aren't talking, <laughs> or, hey, look what I got. And my friend's like, well, if you have it, I have to have it. Yeah, yeah. Other ones. It's not like that. It's just strange. But, yeah, I have 78 patterns. To tell you the best colors, I couldn't even tell you. I mean, perch, any variation of perch or shad is probably my best pattern. I mean, you do have, like, the staples, like the fire tigers, the sucker colors, yeah. carp colors. I mean, the stuff that's in everybody's box. But you do have some very unique ones that I've never seen before. I, there was a, I forget, it was like midnight something I saw. I was going through your site the other day. I was like, that's pretty freaking cool. I, go, I don't know if it works, but it's pretty cool. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's what's fun about making baits and paint them. You come up with different stuff, you know. Oh, it's awesome. I mean, and that kind of adds to the uniqueness, like I said, of, I'm, you know, you compared to other people, too. Yeah, I'm not good at naming them. That's another problem <laughs> I have. I can never figure out good names for them, so. Like, No Name Perch is a great color. What one was that? Was that, like, a lighter one? I'm trying to remember because no, I was looking through them it, earlier. It's it's kind of bright, but it has perch markers. Uh-huh. It's got, like, a big orange belly, and it's got yeah, an orange yeah. tail, and that is a really good seller. We catch a lot of fish on it, and it's called No Name. That's the thing of the name. <laughs> it's the perfect <laughs> name. It's the perfect No Name Perch. Oh, that's awesome. Uh, no. Yeah, just yeah, it's just. So I have to ask a lot of friends. What do you think? You know, name of this color. I have no idea. <laughs> but the variations is you know it's out of hand. I mean, there's. There's so many shads, and there's so many perches, but they all seem sometimes some are better than others. I, I don't know. Oh, for sure. I did notice, too, you have like kind of a wide range of sizes, too, especially with that crime boss, the smaller one. I mean, you could probably use that as like a, a nice bass bait, honestly. Yeah, they. Yeah, I have bass guys that use it. I have walleye guys that use it. I have casters that cast musky for it. Of course, you control it because that's what it's for. I got that size, which is three and a half, and then I have the four and a half, which is, you know, that's the beginning stages of the business. That's the first one. That's my most popular. And then I have a seven, which I, you can get two lips for it, a shallow lip or a deep lip. And then I make a ten, which is special order. And then I got the minnows, you know, I got the eight inch minnow, which is real popular, the ten inch and twelve inch. Yeah, those are kind of, I guess, the more standard profile. When you think of like a musky bait, those ones, the minnows, the minnow uh, profile, right? Yeah, the minnow, once again, the minnow, yeah, the profile is the same. I did change the lip and lip angle to not copy, so that's unique to it. And it makes it run way completely different than like a grandma minnow or a Jake. Yeah. And um, they're made out. Those are made out of mahogany. Oh, really? Instead of, hmm. Yeah, instead of cedar or plastic, which normally is what they are. Yeah, it seems like the mahogany has a good snap to it because it's heavy. It's like audibly off, like rocks and stuff. You mean like? No, just trolling it. It's got a good. It's got a real like a. It's a wiggles dip. Mm. Oh, like, okay. The track. I got you. Yeah. yeah. I, I never heard of anything out of mahogany. Usually, it's like uh, basswood yeah. and right. Yeah, stuff I've never, like that. Yeah, it's pretty different. The rest, the rest of the baits are cedar, but all the uh, all the minnows are mahogany. And then I also have a line of resin baits that are for the stores. I'm not too many stores like I used to be, 
I'm slowly getting back in it, but they sell the resin, I sell the wood. Now, is this like your main, this is your main gig, you don't have like a day job too? This is just like what no, you do? I, I, re, I, re, <laughs> I quit <laughs> doing collision work after 29 years to go full time in this. That's awesome, you're making That's enough money cool. to cross yeah. over that. Yep. A lot can be said about that for sure. It's a, it's a tough living because there's a lot of people doing it now. There wasn't at one time, but Facebook kind of made a lot of businesses grow, you know. Oh, for sure. So, Did you notice? I was lucky. I, I'm sorry, I was go lucky. I got I got into it and I got popular before the Facebook phase, which was nice because that's when word of mouth is what sold you base. Yeah. So if your base weren't worth shit. No one was going to buy them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, the first time we tested them, we just wrecked them on there, and there was people at the dock waiting to see them in order. So it was kind of a little bit of luck was involved, and Bates did its job, and, it, you know, that's how it all started. And I wasn't going to be one of those bait makers that you had to wait for stuff, and I didn't want to have a business like that. I wanted to put up products. My goal was to be in everybody's tackle box. That was my goal. Yeah. Seems so. to be working. Yeah, if you've been doing it for 20 years and you're still, you know, have this many patterns and selling to most of the United States, I'd say you're doing all right. Yeah. It actually amaz- it actually amazes me how many baits that sell. <laughs> it's, pretty, it's pretty cool, actually. You know, I, I walk 15 steps to the shop, but I put a lot of hours in. I, people just don't understand how many hours a bait maker puts in. There's a, if I would have took as many hours as I do doing this to my old job, I, I, I'd be rich. <laughs> There's a lot to it. I mean, especially when you're pouring, I mean, you got to add lead to the body. And I feel like it's a very long process. Yeah. Like, you know, a, cu- a couple guys, a couple guys out there, they, um, they told, you know, they kept track of how many times you touch that bait from start to finish. Yeah. And oh. it, it's like 40, it's almost 50 dimes. Wow. No kidding. Jeez, yeah. hmm. well, and when I, and when, when I first started, it took, it took two weeks to make 22 baits or 23 baits. No kidding. She's only. Yeah. I used to, and I used to be like, and I still loved it, you know. Yeah. And as time goes on and you, and you know, you ask for help wood people, you know, people that are in that production part of the business, you know, you start learning stuff and how to be faster and making jigs so everything's the same and, you know, talking to, not talking to other lure guys, but talking to other people that know production, we'll put it that way. Yeah. Oh, for sure. And it's still a never-ending thing. I mean, I make some stuff still that I, that I tell myself, why did I do this, like, 15 years ago. I can't believe that. So it's, it's, what's, that's what's cool about it because it's never ending learning process. Oh, for sure. I, but the, but the wood baits are definitely, I mean, there's a lot of work to them. There's, when you're making, you know, a lot of baits per year, it's, um, it's a lot of work, but it's fun work, you know. Oh, that's the most important part when you're doing something. And yeah, I know great. going to these shows and stuff like that, when you see like, I mean, even like, no-name guys that roll out like a wall of whatever they have. I mean, they're works of art. I can't even call them just a lure. You know, by the time you paint them and all that crazy stuff, I mean, they're yeah. pretty large-sized 
you know, works of art. I mean, people say you paid how much for that? And it's like, mm-hmm. well, yeah. dude, go watch the guy make it. Cause you know, I don't have a problem yeah. paying for it. Cause I understand right. like, you know, what the process was to go into it. And it's, it's arduous to say the least. Yeah. Custom wood baits versus plastic. I mean, it's, to me, that's, it's two different things. You know, you could design a bait, pay the money and get a, um, injection mold bait and pop them out and then you send them to a painter or you paint them yourself. But to take a piece of wood and work the wood up and, you know, and then the finished product, that's, that's a whole different ballgame. Oh, absolutely. But people love the wood baits, you know, you get, you always get that, that special one. That's just chewed that to just, shit. Like most of yeah, the paint's gone. Just, yeah. Yeah, just wrecked fish. It seems like everybody that is a half decent musky guy has at least two or three of those. It's like the go to. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm really a loser. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you you use something for so long, it's gonna it's gonna get lost or snagged or you know, it happens. Some I'm good at losing baits. Yeah, <clears throat> we've all, we've all lost our best bait. Oh, for sure. If you're afraid to lose yeah. them, don't, don't even tie them on then, you know. Mm-hmm. That's right. But then it defeats the purpose purpose <laughs> of its purpose. Yeah. Because, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they're tools, right? They're tools to catch fish. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. But, you know, today a lot of people collect and trade, and, you know, that's a new thing now. But oh, for oh, me, absolutely. it's about catching fish and that's what they are. They're tools to catch fish. So when does your season usually start for you when you start hitting the water? As soon as it opens. Now, for... As soon, soon, soon as the ice is off, I start. Is Ohio, like, different than PA as far as, like, being able to fish certain rivers and stuff early? Because I know, like, over here you have to have a stupid trout stamp to go fish, you know, like a stocked river for muskie, which is kind of insane no, to me. But Ohio's completely open. There's no closed season. If you can fish, you can fish. That's awesome. Do you prefer the colder weather if you're fishing from the shore, or does it matter on the boat you're going out there and freezing your balls off? Yeah, well, I got a whole house set up, so I'll pick up, pop up the side curtains, the front curtain, the back curtain, <laughs> the heater inside. <laughs> you got it laid out perfectly. Yeah, we don't, yeah, we don't go around the spring and fall. That's awesome. Do you... Yeah. Not to get too much into divulging secrets, but I guess like whenever you're running, do you do like a shallow setup and a deeper setup on the other side and run close to shore, or are you kind of getting out in the middle and open water? Or, like, what's kind of your bread and butter? That's depending on the type, the time of the year. Um, in the spring, obviously, I'm in shallow. As as post spawn starts. And the water starts warming up. They start moving to the next break. So you're kind of off the structure a little bit or offshore. And then by the time summer comes, there's fish that either are going to be on the weed line or there's going to be fish suspended over open water. And depending on what we want to do that day or where the bite is, we'll do either or. But if you're at Chautauqua, you're going to be, you know, you're going to, well, you can fish Chautauqua both ways. You can fish the weed line. Or you could fish open water. And same thing with Ohio. So there's always, none of the fish do the same thing, right? So they're either going to be on the weed line. And now if there's a second weed line that's deeper, if you have a lake like that, that could be a really good spot too. Like if weeds are coming up in 10, 15 foot of water, that's, you know, in the summer, that would be where you want to be. 
do you notice the fish being more aggressive coming out of the grass? Like, like a pike would it be, I guess, like in the middle of summer in the grass, it seems like they just like absolutely hammer whatever you have out there. Do you notice that they get a little more aggressive in the grass than like open water? After spawn, the fish are on the feed bank. So that May and June, they're, they're hit pretty good. And they're not going to be super shallow at that time. Um, I would say July, August, when, when you, we start getting them in, in like the middle of the lake or over suspended deep water, you could, if you get on a pattern, man, you can catch a lot of fish that way. No kidding. So, and we've had some big days up in Chautauqua. You know, St. Clair's all running, you know, deep water. Or not deep water, but open water. And shit, you can have 20, 30 fish days there. Oh my, that's insane. I, I don't even think I've ever seen one. Really? Yes. I'm not shitting you. <laughs> What's that? A muskie. I don't think I've ever seen one. It's oh. like a ghost to me. Shit. Well. In person, anyway. But You're going to have to get out there. I know. I'm going to... We got a, a buddy of mine... Doug Benasco. I'm going to try and get up with him this year. Yeah. I, me and Doug work together. He lives right down oh, the road good. from me. Yeah, he's actually going to yeah. be on in person in a couple weeks here. He's coming up. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm good friends with Doug and Jesse and Joel. Mm-hmm. Oh, awesome. I just watched. They were on a, a, a podcast. It's like a Zoom kind of yeah, YouTube I was, video. Yeah, I was just I was on a week before them on that one. Oh, okay. Yeah. I, I, yeah. Doug messaged it to me, and I... I Checked it out the other day, and yeah, that was that was my first Zoom podcast. I thought it was pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, it's it's pretty neat. It was nice to be able to actually see a face to the voice, and yeah, it's yeah. A, we're, we're excited to have him in person. It, it's so much more fun when you're up here, you know, crack yeah. some beers, and you know, oh yeah, it's way more fun. I'm not saying we're not enjoying talking to you on the phone, obviously. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, Doug's, Doug's good people. They got a good thing going. Yeah, they do. I think they yeah, they mentioned like. I was going to say, he just started guiding, what, two years ago? Yeah, I think this is three, year three? Something or, like that, yeah. yeah. I'm not sure. Two or three, something yeah. like that. Since we've been following, uh, at I think, least. I think that, you know what, it might be, this might be a second year. Yeah, yeah, I, th- yeah, I, think, you're, uh, yeah, I think you're right, yep, now that mm-hmm. I think about it. Yeah, they were, yeah. they mentioned something about, because now they have, they run two two boats, um, Doug's boat and then the other guy, Jesse? Yeah, yeah Jesse's going to be doing this over. Yeah, and they were talking last year. I think they were over 300 they caught. Jeez, oh, man, that's crazy. So, to me, like, I look at that, I'm like, geez, oh, man, I can't even, I can barely catch a bass anymore, let alone. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like you need to go fishing more. I, I do, I do. I We were going pretty good there for a while, and then last year kind of, yeah, I don't know. kind of got a little weird last not year. Not sure what happened last year. We just didn't get out on the boat that much. and Yeah. It's a weird year for everybody, I think, but. This year we're gonna yeah, we're hit, gonna turn things around. I hit it real hard in the spring, and then I noticed that as summer rolls around, I'm just so busy. I'm lucky to get out once a week or a half a, a evening once a week. You know, it's yeah. just, that's the way it is. I mean, I would love to be out there all the time, but it's just not possible. Yeah, it seems like our you know, our seasons up here. It seems like the fall is the better time on the rivers over here. I, Obviously, I'm not speaking from any expertise, but from all the action that I've seen, like it seems like there's more traffic on the Allegheny in the fall than in the spring. Or Is that your home water, like the Allegheny and Tynesta River? Yeah, that's my camp's in Tynesta. So usually my big week is whenever I go turkey hunting in the spring, 
can only hunt till noon. So once I hunt till noon, then I'll take a nap, go down to the river and fish for a few hours and then head okay. back up to camp or whatever. But all my experience has been in the river casting. Well, there's muskies there, so. Oh, there's plenty of them. <laughs> yeah, you got to start chucking some lures. Yeah, it seems like the trout patterns over there, well, the Tynestas get stocked with trout. The trout patterns yeah. seem to be the hotter ticket in that little niche, I guess, over there. Well, I guess in the Allegheny yeah. in general, I've heard a lot of dudes catching on trout patterns, Palomino patterns, stuff like that. Could you troll the Tynester River? Uh, you might be able to, you could definitely troll the lake, the little reservoir before the dam. Usually when I'm yeah, fishing. Yeah, I've, I've been there before. The river itself is too little to, to get There's some spots you could. Um, my, like if you have a um, like a jet prop. Oh yeah, you, you could. You definitely do a lot better than than just a, a regular outboard. I yeah, fished there two years have, ago. We don't have that stuff in Ohio, like rivers like that. I mean, we got we have rivers, but not like the Allegheny or tie up. So to me, that would be to me that would be fun because it's not it doesn't get as much pressure as the lakes do. Yeah, so it's more of an adventure. You know, I would love to have that. But it is not. There's yeah. a there's a spot in Oil City. I'd say it's probably a couple hundred yards where you can actually you'd you'd probably actually do pretty good trolling because it's deep enough. I think it gets down to like 15 feet in some spots. Yeah, if you get down oh, to like Reno, and it's down pretty there. open. It's it's nice. There's a few yeah. spots that are in front of the poo plant, and then down like towards Reno, it's this mm-hmm. it's this eddy that's like 400 yards long. Yeah. It's insane. But <clears throat> there's guys that catfish there heavy. Yeah, they, yeah. If you have a if you have the jet the jet prop, I mean, you can go. There's a bunch of different spots that you could do it and get into deeper water, but you have to have the right equipment to get there. Yeah. Do you guys throw? Uh, what do you guys throw for muskies? Like rubber and bucktails. So usually I throw Rider. bucktails. I ha- actually, the one guy that used to make us uh, bass jigs, I like bugged the hell out of him, and he made me this giant palomino, like minnow pattern kind of thing that I was throwing up there, and I caught this huge pike out there with it. But oh, usually, cool. I'm, I'm trying to stick to spinners just because the stretch that I fish is a lot of grass over there. You start throwing yeah. the trebles in there, it's just like too much of a pain in the ass, especially when you're weighted in there, you know, by yeah. yourself in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you keep fishing it figure out the patterns, you know, their movements, then you should do good. Yeah, a lot, a lot of lighter color stuff up there, like the Palomino colors, whites, just plain whites, yeah. bone, stuff like that seems to be more yeah. prevalent there. The only problem is, too, up there is like the crazy water, like, you see some insane redneck engineering up there, <laughs> like, last, last <laughs> spring, I, I can't even make this shit up, there was a, four dudes on this canoe that had like if if you think like the old Vietnam movies where the dude with like the long prop going down the river, they had this really? canoe with plywood on top of it, and this dude in the wow. back running it like this. And I'm not gonna kid you, there was like an inch before water went inside this thing, <laughs> and they slid right up in front of me, and they just crushed fish right in front of me. I was fishing there for like three hours, and they came out and casted like 20 yards past where I could reach, and they just started like rope. I was like, you gotta be shit, mate. <laughs> You should have waked their boat and sunk it. Oh, I was about to, like, <laughs> shot put a rock out there. That's all it would have taken. <laughs> just one cannonball. <laughs> oh, they were up there, like, yeah. leaning on the... It, it was, I wish I would have got a picture of it. I didn't have, my, I didn't have the camera on me that day, because usually we film film when we go out, but I didn't bring it with me, and I was like, of course, the one day I did it. This is, like, insanity out here. It's <laughs> awesome. You ever, see any, you ever see any bear on the river? 
Not up there. Ironically, no. the only time I ever caught a bear fishing was at Lake Arthur, actually, the one day. And it was in the middle of freaking summer of all times. I saw the stupid thing out there. I see I see pictures. People post a lot of pictures from up there. Yeah. Seeing bears swimming and on the yeah. shores and stuff. But I've, I've never personally seen one up there. That's cool. Usually I'm fishing closer into town. So, I mean, if you saw one down there, you probably got way bigger problems. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's, it's a weird little stretch down there because if you hit it, like, in a hot time of year, there's a lot of guys down there on the shore that are, mm-hmm. you can tell that's all they're fishing for is musky. You know, they got the heavy lumber down there, and yeah. usually you're getting circled by boats because the, the other side of the outflow over there in the Allegheny, that's a well-known walleye spot that mm-hmm. you can just drift down through there. So yeah. there's a lot of traffic down through there. Yeah. But there's a lot of fish in there, too, which is the crazy part still. They all stack up and just eat the trout that get washed down whenever it gets too high. Yeah, are you talking the outflow of Kinzu? Uh, the outflow of Tynesta there. But, yeah, Kinzu is the, the, the exact same way there. I mean, that's kind of a, a whole different animal up there, the outflow that most yeah, of the guys have. That's a big outflow. A lot of the guys have said if you want to fish Kinzu, fish the outflow first. Cause that's, it's right. Like, that's what I've heard. So I've spent yeah. a lot of hours on Kinzu with... Not a good track record. <laughs> I've heard that from a lot of people, too. <laughs> I've had, the first time I went there, I had about a mid-40s up to the boat, and it got right off. And ever since then, every time I've gone, we've been skunked. Are you a superstitious musky guy? Because I know quite a few of those. Um, I guess it depends. Are you talking like a lucky shirt? Like, do you wear the same pair of socks? Like, that... You got to like do like a little thing to get your bad juju off of Kinzu because you lost that fish or like no no not oh you talking about in general or just a Kinzu in general I guess in general there's one shirt I wear when I'm going trophy hunting that's about <laughs> that's about my extent of it I've, I've noticed it's kind of like a hockey thing like hockey players are very superstitious I've noticed the musky yeah. guys can be very superstitious about things I used like to that be like that no. Yeah, they have my favorite hat, my favorite shirt, my, you know, the same food, if you did good, <laughs> you know, the same food for next time, but as soon as it doesn't work, then it's not a superstition anymore. Yeah. Right? That's awesome. So, well, I know in Canada, I, a, I forget what, I think it was Jeremy Wade at River Monster Show, and they were talking about, like, uh, when he finally caught one up in whatever the hell lake it was, they were talking about the yeah. Indians did some kind of crazy thing. He did it, and he ended up catching one like, the very next day. <laughs> yeah, it was, yeah, it was walleye fishing, though. Yeah. No, that was, it was walleye fishing when he got that. It was a big one, too. It was a 50-plus 50, 50 incher, if I remember. I mean, it's been a while since I watched that show. I love that show. He said that was his hardest, hardest fish he ever went for. That's crazy. Yeah. Have you been fishing in Canada for muskie before? God, yeah. <laughs> Stupid question. Yeah. Keep keep in mind, most of our audience is bass fishermen, so we're you know we're we're trying to dumb it down a little here. Not that I know shit about shit either, but <laughs> I've never been out west like Minnesota, Wisconsin, and I've never been south like to Kentucky and on. But as far as our surrounding states and up in Canada, yeah, I've never been to Western Ontario like Eagle Lake and all that. I yeah. Been there yet. My dad used to go up there all the time with his buddies. They do a yearly Canada trip. I'm afraid if I go there, I won't come back. <laughs> I'd be afraid to go there right now. They're freaking locking people up in government facilities if they test positive for COVID right now. 
Yeah, I just I heard a rumor that they're going to let us in this year if you have a COVID test or a COVID vaccine. It's a trap. <laughs> I heard that twice this uh, this week, so I don't know how true it is. I'm about to go to Texas the way things are right now. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. Hopefully, yeah. everybody's back to work so the lakes are aren't as congested. Yeah, yeah. Because last year it was like last spring it was bad. Ooh. It was bad for everything. Hunting, that's the one thing everybody's been saying across the board. Spring turkey in Pennsylvania was a shit show because of that. Yeah. I can't even imagine what the yeah. fishing scene was like. i never seen the lakes last spring as bad as they were last spring. Hmm. I've never seen that many musky fishermen on, on a particular lake every single day. That's insane. I mean, it's, it was insane. it's good for the sport, but obviously. The same time, it's like, dude, yeah, go to work, yeah, yeah. get the fuck out of here. <laughs> well, yeah, no one, well, no, everybody was off of work at the same time. Mm -hmm. Nobody knew what the hell was going on with the virus. Yeah. So, did you notice an uptick in your sales from it too? Man, I'm usually pretty busy in the spring, but last spring was an awful hook. That's I, good. I, mean, I it, it was, it was bad. I told myself this year that. With no shows going on, I was going to build like if I was going to every show because I did not want to get caught with my pants down <laughs> in the spring again. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's better to be prepared, but, that's for sure. But it's already starting. This These last few weeks have been a really influx of orders. Yeah. So, but, you know, it's funny. Last winter, before, before April, like we're talking like December, January, February, it was probably my worst three months out of all the years I've been doing it. It was like no sales. I don't know if people were scared because they knew the COVID was coming. Yeah. But once the COVID came, the people were off work and they started fishing. It was it was insane. That's a good thing, I guess, for yeah. you. But it's it, yeah, it's it wild. Everybody it said the awesome. same thing. The one guy we had on, Matt Futuray from Texas, he makes broadheads. He said the same thing, but it was like... He started getting orders from Dubai and crazy places like that for broadheads. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Yeah, but isn't honey over by then? Well, I mean, the off-season, we all do, like, 3D shoots and all that stuff. I mean, the summer is, like, a pretty – the summer is probably just as busy, I would think, honestly, for archery sure. than, okay. than yeah, the fall. I don't hunt, so I don't know. <laughs> it's more or less just preparation stuff and practice. Yeah. Oh, for sure. My daughter hunts, but I don't. I don't know. I have no idea where that came from, but <laughs> well, I mean, you're on the water, so that's half right, right? <laughs> we, yeah, we've lost. Uh, she's lost all the hunting spots. But she didn't even go. She hasn't gone in two years now because you can't find anywhere to you can't find anywhere to go, and she doesn't want to go to a public land. Yeah, um, I can't say I blame her honestly, especially yeah. the way last spring was. It's turned into the wild west out there for sure. Yeah, because we have a lot of public land by us, and. We have a lot of Amish by us. Oh, oh God, yeah, we do yeah. too. Good luck. Yeah, <laughs> they you and, might as well and just that's stay all home. I'm saying. Yeah, yeah, you might as well just stay yeah. home when they show up. <laughs> you don't need to say. Yeah. Jeez, oh man, yeah, yeah, I don't know. My blood just started boiling. You just said the name. It's <laughs> funny, and then it's funny because I was I I, I was promised not promised, but I had a couple guys that were going to let her hunt a few days on their land. And it never, I never got the call, so. They, uh, 
the Amish, they do the same thing hunting season and for fishing. They Fish, fishing, they might actually be worse. Everything. Yeah. Oh, I just want to sink all their boats when I see them. <clears throat> I, still, I don't have a problem with them. I, I know other people do. So, I mean, I can't. I've only heard stories. They're probably all true. But it's always the same story. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 100%. The, the one thing we have, too, and this is kind of crazy, it, Lake Arthur, over by, it's like kind of the central lake to us. It's so yep. overpopulated with overfishing and everything on a good, on a normal year. But there's yeah. an insane amount of Oriental Korean people and like Asian people that go there. And they're like the Amish of like Lake Arthur, which is <laughs> is insane. The the one year I went down, and there's the one little outflow, which is a very well known musky spot down there. And I went down with my gear, and I was going to go down. I got down to the edge of the hill there, and there was twenty dudes down there. I was like, eh, nah, I ain't going to waste my time. And these couple black guys were standing up on the top. They were just like motherfucking this and that. <laughs> and then uh, I said, "You guys have any luck?" And they're like. Man, these guys down here are making bluegill sushi on the rocks. And I'm like, what are you talking about? He goes, he goes, them down there. And they point down, and there's like a family of 20 people down there with a fire going on the rocks down by the river. And there's kids really? with cane poles, just, you know, everything. And they're cooking them up right there on the shore. <laughs> I didn't know there was a lot of, I, I didn't know there was that many Asians. I, I, I think they come from like Pittsburgh, the like Cranberry Pittsburgh area, because there's not a whole lot of lakes like of that size around us. And that's kind of right off of 79 there, which is the main highway to Pittsburgh down there. But you'll be, we'll be fishing out there even from the boat and you can, you know, you can see them. They're weighted out there in their shorts, like with cane poles and net cast nets and all kinds of crazy stuff. It's wild. And and they have to use cane poles. Are you serious? I'm not not even joking when I say (laughs) (laughs) they got everybody out there. The kids, I mean, there's like little kids out there, like up to their neck out there. Well, maybe they're getting. Maybe they're getting food to sell in the restaurants. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> Fresh carp. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Do you have any crazy stories from uh, run-ins with you out on any of the bigger lakes? Oh, boy. Any, anything good that comes to mind? <laughs> Too many. Uh, <laughs> Too many to pick one. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if anything's appropriate. We're, we're pretty... We're pretty laid back when it comes yep. to literally say anything. <laughs> there, there was the one video that's been circulating around on the internet of the guy that was he was musky fishing for sure, and a jet ski freaking plowed into the side of his boat, Oy. like screaming, plowed into the side of his boat. I think that was from last year, but it started going yeah. around again. I saw it again the other day. I think I've seen that. That's the only crazy story I remember is. During the July 4th weekend on West Branch, there's these, there's a big Jewish family that comes to the marina and rents the boat. Mm-hmm. And they never rent like a pontoon boat. They rent a, like this, you know, like a speed boat. And they have no idea how to run a boat. <laughs> and the whole family piles on in their suit. And you know, there's that kind of, there's like Orthodox Jewish. The Hasidic ones, yeah. And there's buoys all around the marina, you know, no wake. And as soon as they come out of the dock, it's full bore. And, and me and my daughter, my daughter was joking at the time. She's like, I cannot believe those people aren't getting stopped. And I'm like, yeah. Well, the next year, we just happened to be there at the same time, and they were back. 
and they came back and did the same thing. I was like, oh, oh yeah, that's how it's one story. That <laughs> so, I don't know. You see a lot of stuff, you know. Oh, for sure. People on rocks, and when the water's low, you see big, big giant twenty-some footer boats on on the, you know, in the mud in the middle of the lake <laughs> with the buoy next to them. There's all kinds of stuff. Oh yeah. I don't even know where to start. I don't even know where to start but. Do you guide too, or do you, that's just your boat to, to go when you yeah, want? Yeah, you know that's funny you mentioned that. I was gonna start guiding last year. Last winter, I put a post up that I was gonna start guiding, and I put a thing on my website to get, um, you know, like down payments or or you know deposits. Yeah. And I got the flyers all made, and I don't. <laughs> I have a small circle of friends. We'll put it that way. <laughs> I only. I only fish with certain, just a few people, you know. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm not very tolerant, I guess. I don't Nothing wrong with that. For people. And most of the people that were putting the positives in were all those Facebook guys that are, are on these new message boards. And I'm thinking to myself, I, I don't want to be taking these people out. I spent all these years figuring this out. You know, I don't really need, I mean, the money, extra money would be great, but I just don't want to give it all up. You know what I mean? Right? Yeah. Oh, for sure. And I, first, I only wanted one person per trip. Cause I wanted to do like a learning thing, one person. Yeah. And no one that put a deposit down wanted to go alone. Yeah. So now, so I'm trying to make scenarios. Okay. I got to get there like way earlier to get the boat in myself. You know, you can't ask anybody to back in and park your truck, right? So yeah. Then I'm thinking of the weather, shitty weather. I'm still going to have to go out and blah, blah, blah. So I'm thinking of that. And I'm already, <laughs> I'm already discouraging myself. <laughs> and you're, uh, you're going to laugh when you hear this one. So I'm thinking of different things and I'm go, I go, I'm not doing this. I'm done. And my wife's like, well, why, why now? I go, because this is what's going to happen. I'm going to get two 300-pound guys <laughs> walking down the dock with tackle boxes and coolers. And I go, I'm going to be pissed off before I even leave the dock. Mm-hmm. So I'm not going to do it. I'm done. <laughs> so I gave everybody their deposits back, and that was it. <laughs> and I probably could make a pretty good, I probably could make good money doing it. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I know people that are doing it that are making good money, but here's the thing. I can't afford to take two or three days off during the week and not be making baits and keeping stock. Yeah. Yeah. Because you're you're the only one that's doing that, right? You don't have like an employee or something like that. Well, every time I get an employee, obviously it's only going to be part time. Yeah. And they're either dumb as hell and I have to get rid of them. <laughs> or they work out really well but they have always, they always, you know, they already have like a career job. Yeah. You know, and like my one guy, he's been with me like six years now and now he's got two kids all of a sudden. Yeah. And he got a job at the county. So he went from five days a week to once every couple of weeks. And then I had another kid that was working every day, 
but he was trying to, he, he was up front with me. He goes, listen, I'm trying to get in the union, electricians union. I've been waiting a year, but if they do call me, I'm going to have to, you know, yeah, I'm going to have to leave. And I'm like, I understand. Well, I trained him for a few months and he was doing good and he got the call. So, you know. Yeah. So he went and then my daughters will help me do certain things here and there, but there's only so much they could do. Yeah. You know, so it's hard because it's not a career. So it's, it's a very, you can, you can either only get a, a young kid that, that has interest in woodworking. Yeah. Or you have to find somebody that'll give you some time here and there, you know. Yeah. But I've I've hired people like right out of like seniors in high school that can't put what can't bend a piece of wire and put it in a lift. <laughs> <laughs> because he he complained his fingers hurt him. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> or and I blame this on the schools because all these schools when I went to school you had a whole industrial arts department. Yeah, we had a wood shop and mm-hmm. all that stuff. Yeah, and a lot of the fathers ain't around or their or their office people. You know, some of these kids didn't even know how to use a drill press. Oh, yeah. So it was like, wow, man, that's insane. I mean, my dad, you know, my dad owned the collision shop for, you know, years. And he had five show cars at home. And, you know, I was doing stuff. I mean, I this. I was holding them, holding stuff while he welded it when I was five. Yeah. He would scream at me when the spark hit me, and I moved. <laughs> That's you a know, very relatable it, story, it unfortunately. <laughs> I was always working out in the garage with them. That does but, say say a lot, though, about the state of our country. I mean, when I grew up, and I can't still have a wood shop. person help me either. That's yeah. My rules. <laughs> It's probably a good role. Well, it's got to be a non a non fisherman, we'll say. Yeah. I mean, they could they could fish for bass or walleye, but I won't have a musky guy help me. No mm. way. That's understandable. Mm-hmm. There's too many eyes rolling around, you know. Right. Spies. <laughs> yep. Too many eyes. I don't even let people in the shop. <laughs> <laughs> I don't blame you. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's your. I've already. That's your livelihood, though. Like you said, I mean, made I made that mistake two times, and. Never again. Oh, geez. <laughs> so, I get a lot of people that want to pick up stuff, and I, I'll meet them at the yeah. store down the street. Oh, for sure. Don't blame you there. No, not at all. That's yeah. funny. <laughs> How many lures do you think you sell on average a week, like during show season? Uh, well, it depends how many shows I go to. <laughs> like a um, like a normal week for you, like during your busy season? You know, I usually bring three to 500 lures at a show. No kid, jeez, man. And I usually, I'm pretty. I usually, I don't, I don't I'm not going to say I sell out every one, but I get pretty close. Yeah, there's always that eyeball color that'll stay. Yeah, so I get down to like ten, twenty lures, maybe. No kid, it's pretty damn yeah. good. Yeah, I would say. <laughs> I would say, you know, a couple times I've bought a lot of stuff, like in the beginning, because I didn't know how much to bring. Yeah. Well, the new thing is to not bring many lures and just sell out real quick. That way you can brag that you sold out. <laughs> which is stupid. You're, which is stupid. You're paying all that money to be there. Right. You might as well try to make as much money as you can. So Absolutely. bring as much product as you can. 
Yeah, I know. Shit, one of those tables, even just a little table at one of those shows, I mean, you're out yeah. $100, just right off the top, not mentioning travel costs and food and everything else. It's I, it's usually, a th- it's, it's definitely a $1,000 by the time you pay for your food. Yeah, get a hotel, hotel room. Your food, man, there's all kinds of expensive. You're, well, your food you're going to eat regardless if you're home or there, but yeah. beer. Oh, yeah. Drink more beer. Oh, yeah. Yes. So you have the beer. You're always going to buy some other something there. Mm hmm. You know, and then what about the time off of work? Yeah, that too, for sure. You got to take a few days off of work. And it's $1,000, easy. $1, yeah. So that's a lot to, that's a lot of moves to make up to break even. Yeah. Oh, for sure. I mean, you know, like $40, $50 per lure, too. And by the time you sell your four hundred, you're you know what, you double what you what you spent basically. Well my my crime loss is thirty. That's the lowest. And then four and a half is thirty eight. So those are the two most popular. So you go just say thirty eight. Yeah. So thirty eight to get to a thousand. You gotta get your feet moving. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And really that's the break even, but that's still not you know, you still got costs to make it a lure, too. Yeah, and your time, too, on top of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah mm-hmm. depending on what you want to make per hour. So. That just goes to show you how much passion dudes have into that stuff, too, to go to hit, like, a a string of shows, like, region, even regionally, you know, just hit, like, the three or four that are around here. I mean, it's, yep. it's yep. a crazy... The musky scene is a crazy thing to the people that don't know. <laughs> there, used, there used to only be a two or three shows a year, and now it's, they're everywhere. What's your favorite one to go to? Musky Max. Yeah. I'm kind of pissed they got rid of it down in Pittsburgh. They had it at, yeah. uh, what was that, the Sheraton? Is that what the hotel was down there? Yeah, my first my first Musky show was the one at the school. It down in Cranberry? Yeah. 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 That was my first one. It's still yeah, not, like, super big compared to, like, the other ones either, too. It's still very... I guess like cult kind of following. Think, I think it's, I think it's perfect. It is. I, I I would agree. You don't feel like overwhelmed mm-hmm. when you go insane. into one of those. Like if you go to like the Erie Sportsman Show, that's like fucking insane. You walk into that thing. Yeah, yeah. I think it's you know it's not huge like Chicago, and most of those shows you can get the same stuff. But um, you know that at the at the Muskie Masters a lot of different stuff that you can get that you can't get anywhere else. Yeah. So that's what makes it unique, I think. We did meet a lot of really cool people when we went down to that, like the guys that made those red October tubes up in New York. Those guys are really cool to talk to. Yeah. You know, when you finally get someone that's willing to talk to you, they're usually really good people. Yeah. Are there going to be any shows this year? They didn't Uh, do the Musky Max last year. I don't know what the plan is this year. I haven't been following it either, though. No, last year they did it, but they just made it. Okay. If it was a week later, it would have got canceled from COVID. Okay. So this is the first year it didn't happen. That's what it was. And then Ohio didn't happen. And what else didn't happen? Chicago didn't happen. All of them didn't happen. Yeah. Is there any on the on the calendar that are like going down this year, or are people still kind of backed off from the big shows? I'm not. I I don't think nothing's happening this year. Yeah. No. Nope. That's it, man. Until next year, it'll, it'll hopefully be next, next year. year. Hopefully, yeah, I, I would say for sure. Well, we're right at about an hour here. Do you got uh, any final words to say to the 
uneducated people that listen to our podcast. <laughs> oh, wow. There's a lot to say. <laughs> How about this? If, if somebody wanted to get out there and try it out, what would you recommend them to do the stuff that they would need in order to do that, just to get started? I, if, if they wanted to start musky fishing, I would tell them to join your local club. Um, don't waste money on a ton of lures. Buy a few lures that you know that work or that people have told you what work. Learn them. You know, even hire a guy for a, a day. You know, hire Vance at Muddy Creek and, you know, for Chautauqua or Joel for Pima Tuning or Chuck Harmon or Ohio. Those are the three top guys, you mm-hmm. know, in three different states. Yeah. And uh, if you pay attention and not worry about catching fish, you can learn a lot from them three. And then... Um, Buy a buy a boat, go. <laughs> time on the water is what is time on the water is how you learn. Yeah. Oh absolutely. Yeah. I agree with that. Because what what works for somebody might not work for you. Right. If someone was going yeah. onto your website that was kind of, you know, newbie, what what would be like maybe three things off of your your product line that you would say, you know, these would be good for you to get going, like as far as colors or, you know, would the crime boss be good for someone that's casting or the minnow compared to the other stuff? Yeah, I would I would stay with the, the crime, the four and a half and the eight inch minnow in perch or natural shed colors. And you could you you can get it about done anywhere with those. Yeah. I'm gonna have to try and that. the and the eight inch minnow is a great casting bait, by the way. Oh, I have a few, not not of yours, but I have similar size stuff that was given to me from people that claim they know what they're talking about. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, you know, and I always tell people, if you have any questions, you can email me. And, uh, you know, I gladly answer anything I can. Where can everybody find you at? Uh, BossShed.com. And you're the same thing on Instagram, right? It's There's no yeah. underscore or anything. It's just at the BossShed. Yeah. Perfect. So. There's a um, there's an email. Uh, you can email me regularly. You can email me on the website and then Facebook. Um, there's a boss chat page on Facebook that you can message me through there too. Oh, we'll be sure to link all that stuff then whenever we mm-hmm. do our big post. But Paul, we really appreciate you coming on, man, and spending yeah, some time you. with people that really don't know what the hell we're talking about when it comes to musking. <laughs> Yeah, there's there's lots to learn. <laughs> well, guys, as always, make sure you like, subscribe, go check out Paul, go check out the Boss Shad, go blow a few thousand dollars on his website and help a guy out, huh? There you go. <laughs> All right, guys, thanks yes. again. Thanks, Paul. Thanks, thanks for having me.